Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi, everybody. Cheryl Atkinson here. Welcome to another edition of Full Measure After Hours. A reminder that it's time to pre-order my new book coming out November 24th, pre-order anywhere now. It's called Slanted, How the News Media Taught Us to Love Censorship and Hate Journalism. It is so on point with what you're seeing in the media today. In this podcast, we are going to address today the fascinating story that I call the transgender divide. We like to address in my television program, Full Measure, off-narrative topics that, for whatever reason, many others in the media aren't discussing. And one of those is what I call the transgender divide in sports, the phenomenon under which people who always consider themselves or are always considered boys or girls and live their lives that way are sometimes switching and taking part in the sport of the opposite sex, which is creating a lot of controversy. No, it's not happening in every high school. It's not dozens of kids doing this, but there are enough cases that it's being addressed in high schools in pretty much every state. And it's also happening in colleges. The question is, when and how should this be allowed and under what circumstances? Who does it help? Does one person's claimed rights trump another person's claimed rights? It's a very complicated question when it comes to this particular issue. This year, you may have heard that the Department of Education under Betsy DeVos, under the Trump administration, made a ruling that basically said transgender high school athletes in Connecticut, where there's a particular challenge going on that we'll talk about in just a moment, should not be allowed to switch teams and compete on the other sex sports team. They're saying, the feds, that this deprives girls of athletic opportunities guaranteed under an old law, the 1972 Title IX Civil Rights Law. And this is part of what's so interesting, what kind of drew me to this story. If you've watched some of my reporting, you know that I like to do stories that are not so clean and obvious in terms of alliances. I like to do stories where perhaps some conservatives or Republicans are pitted against others. It's not a traditional battle. Or some Democrats and liberals are pitted against others. This is a case where some feminists are actually siding with conservative activists, and that just made it all the more interesting to dig into. So we started last February, really, in New Haven, Connecticut, where we attended an athletic competition, a track and field competition, um, the championships in New Haven, Connecticut, for the 55-meter dash in particular, and we watched Chelsea Mitchell, who is a very talented runner, competing against others in her class. Well, it just so happens that One of the competitors in this particular race 
is someone named Terry Miller, who ran on the boys' team until about three years ago. Ran on the winter indoor competition with the boys in 2007-2018. And we found the same thing with someone who ran on the boys' team, named now named Andrea Yearwood, also switching to the girls' team. And in 2018, just a few months after they both switched from the boys' team, they dominated the girls' state championships. In fact, they placed first and second. And they have quite a record since they've switched to the girls' team. They've won 15 state championship races since 2017 on the girls' team. That's according to a lawsuit that's been filed about all of this that we will be talking about. And by the way, I tried to get interviews with quite a few transgender athletes, including the ones that I've just named, and worked with them and their advocates for quite a while. I tried to get interviews with their attorneys because the athletes themselves didn't want to do the interviews. And they really haven't done a lot of interviews, but we did have a clip we found. You can find this online, too, if you're interested. A story that ABC did some time ago. Um, In fact, it was on June 22nd. You could search YouTube for this clip where they spoke to ABC about why they switched teams, when they made this decision about themselves, and so on. And of course, in many ways, this can't be easy for them. Nobody thinks it is for people who always consider themselves or were at least considered boys, born as males and raised as males, to all of a sudden switch in high school of all times, a difficult time for young people in general, and then switch to the girls' team. But they really are getting a lot of praise and support for what a lot of people think is a brave decision and an important step forward for transgender athletes who happen to face um, this very situation. But there's another side of a story that doesn't get as much press. It's almost as if you're not supposed to speak of it. But others do see this as infringing upon the rights of girls, that these boys or biological males who become girls or consider themselves girls are taking away rights that are supposed to be reserved for women and girls. So Chelsea Mitchell, who I mentioned, she's one of the fastest sprinters in the country, and she's among those who have lost quite a few races now to biological males. She lost in 2018 the 55-meter dash to Miller and Yearwood, two of the transgender athletes that I mentioned. The next year, she lost again to Miller and Yearwood. We have video of both of those races, by the way, Um, at fullmeasure.news. The story, the video, will be posted after the story airs on Sunday. You can probably look for it around noon or so at fullmeasure.news or anytime thereafter if you don't see the story live on television. So Mitchell and two other athletes believe this is very unfair that they've lost opportunities by having to race against people they consider boys. Mitchell, in her case, lost four state championships and other opportunities because of this, in her view. Along with other athletes, Alana Smith and Selena Soule, all from Connecticut, the three women have filed a federal lawsuit challenging this Connecticut policy that says students can switch from the boys' team to the girls' team without surgery or hormone treatments, meaning technically a boy could run on the boys' team one day and the next day run on the girls' team. I'm not saying that happens frequently, but under the Connecticut policy, the way advocates are interpreting it, that would be allowed. All three girls told me that they fully support 
the transgender athletes in what they are trying to do socially and what they are doing with their lives and how they choose to identify themselves. But in their view, the girls say, athletics have separate rules because it has a lot to do with physical advantages and physical differences, some of which are scientifically undeniable when it comes to males and females. And so this is going on, obviously, in Connecticut high schools, but as I mentioned, there are challenges all over the country. And I highlight a few examples in my story. Last year, in 2019, C.C. Telfer, who was raised as Craig Telfer, but uh, transgendered into women's competition, was the first known transgender to win a women's college track and field championship. Really excelled once he or she started competing in women's sports. There was a swimmer who went the other way, a woman now named Skylar Baylor. She was recruited to swim on the women's team for Harvard. And this is a little different because she ended up deciding to compete on the men's team. And she obviously, if you look at the pictures in the story, has had surgery. And she became the first transgender athlete to compete at the highest level sports division one at Harvard. Then earlier this year in February, there was an athlete named Megan Youngren, who was male for many years, but identifies as female now. And she was the first openly transgender athlete to compete at the U.S. Olympic team trials, choosing to enter the woman's field. In the end, Megan Youngren didn't qualify, but was still setting records as the first openly transgender athlete to compete. When they say the first openly transgender athlete, that makes me think or wonder or assume there must have been some non-open transgender athletes competing at U.S. Olympic team trials. I'm not sure what all the rules are for that, but that was interesting. Then in New Zealand, there was a men's weightlifting competitor named Gavin Hubbard, a big guy, and he became Laurel Hubbard and entered the women's weightlifting competition and dominated the women's category. You can see pictures and videos of these athletes in my story. I don't typically watch the adult cartoon South Park, but when I started working on this story, I came across mentions of an episode that is apparently pretty well known because after I was working on this story, a lot of people mentioned it to me, and it was called Bored Girls, and it lampooned this notion of athletes switching from the men's field to the women's field. I have a short clip of that in the um, news story on Full Measure. You can probably find that, though, online yourself on YouTube. Again, it's a South Park episode called Bored Girls. But here's where this all gets, I think, more complicated and more interesting. Because a lot of transgender athletes can count support among feminist allies and feminist advocates but not so much on this debate because some of the feminist allies that normally obviously support gay and transgender rights in many circumstances are coming down on the other side when it comes down to the specific issue of sports. We will talk more about that right after a short break. Do you have something to say and want to make your own podcast? Let me tell you how to do that for free with Anchor. Anchor has creation tools that let you record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. You can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more places, 
and you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's all you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. The news as we once knew it no longer exists. It's become a product, molded and shaped to suit the narrative. Facts that don't fit are omitted, off-narrative people and views are controversialized, or neatly deposited down the memory hole. Partisan pundits, analysts, and anonymous sources fill news space, leaving little room for facts. I hope you'll pre-order my new book today, Slanted, How the News Media Taught Us to Love Censorship and Hate Journalism. We are back, and I promised we would talk about the unusual allies and differences that have been created by this complicated debate over gay and transgender rights when it comes to athletics in high school and college. So one way this is all being shaken up over traditional expectations is with tennis icon Martina Navratilova. And she's taken some heat for her stance on this, but she basically has been outspoken saying that when transgenders, when males switch to female sports, they're robbing women of hard-fought opportunities and actually threatening women's sports as we know them. She spoke in a couple of interviews I watched. We'll have a clip of that in our Full Measure episode, but you can find these on YouTube as well, these interviews with Martina Navratilova. She says this is about fairness in sports, fairness for women and girls. And she says that we cannot let self-ID take over and endanger women overall. So the position is that feminists say women have fought too hard to have opportunities. And if all of them ultimately get taken away, or many of them, or even a few of them, get taken away by people who were born and raised as males and decide to enter women's sports and then dominate women's sports, that that undercuts the whole notion of the opportunities that were supposed to be provided in the 1970s to help even out opportunities for men and women. A conservative advocate that I spoke with is Christina Holcomb with the conservative Christian nonprofit representing Mitchell Smith and Soul, the female athletes I talked about. The nonprofit is called Alliance Defending Freedom. And she points out that there are self-described radical leftist feminists who are saying Basically, they're linking arms with conservative feminist organizations saying this is not fair, that it is erasing women and taking away female athletic opportunities and something that society should not allow. And she refers to a study that she says came out in Sweden last fall, so about a year ago, that she says indicated males generally have a 10 to 20% performance advantage over similarly fit and trained biological females. I would have thought it was more than that. But anyway, 10 to 20% according to this study she quotes in Sweden. And she says the study found that those advantages are not outdone by any length of hormone treatment or hormone replacement therapy. The point being that there is a question in some cases that maybe this should not be allowed, the switching of sports, if there's no hormone treatment, if someone born a male just simply crosses over into the girls' sports, but perhaps if they have had a certain time of hormone treatment and surgery and other things, maybe that would be fair. She argues it's never fair because she said, even if it did even things out, 
you would still have, in this advocate's words, a male displacing a deserving young woman in her own athletic competition, something set aside for her benefit to allow her to compete for college scholarships. So the argument is, it's still not fair. Once again, I asked for interviews with transgender athletes, with the attorneys who are arguing their cases. Nobody wanted to speak with us for this story, but we did find a man named Asif Orr, who works with the Transgender Youth Project at the National Center for Lesbian Rights. And he did agree to talk with us about this issue. And he thinks transgender should be able to compete wherever they wish. And his argument was that in sports, and he's right about this, there's always a competitive advantage of some sort. Maybe somebody had time to train longer. Maybe someone was born with better genes or had parents who fed them better, healthier food. Maybe some had inherent athletic abilities that other people don't have. We know that's the case. So he says his goal is focusing on the fact that the student athletes just want to compete and that the playing field is never completely even in the sense of what an athlete brings to the table. So then I asked him what he thought about the notion that in Connecticut under the policy, the way some people read it, Someone considering himself a man his whole life or considered a man could wake up the next day and say, today I compete as a woman and then do that on the girls' team and theoretically even switch back to the man's team the next day. Well, he went on or to say that it's a misconception that that happens. I mean, I don't think that exact thing happens, but the point is, do the policies allow such a thing to happen? Do versions of that in some form occur? And he said... You know, his argument is that with transgender people, it's usually the case that they have recognized their gender identity for years prior to them acknowledging it or acting on it because of social pressures or delays. So he says it's not the case where people wake up one morning and say, oh, I'm really a woman and I'm just going to cross over and compete in the women's forum. But with all this resentment on both sides and with the federal government weighing in, I went to look and see what are the policies from state to state, and I found a resource that tracks this online, and it's developing. It's changing fairly frequently, but according to the website, there are nine states that require high school transgenders to have surgery or extensive hormone treatment to compete on the opposite sex team. So they allow it, but you have to have some sort of, I guess, something in the equation to equalize the competition in terms of hormone treatment or surgery. I saw in news clippings that in March, Idaho became the first state to bar transgender athletes who were boys from participating in girls and women's sports, but there were court challenges going on about that. 19 states and Washington, D.C. do allow transgenders to join either team without hormones or surgery. 19 states. That's where I think the biggest controversy or dispute is coming into play. And then 17 states have policies that are somewhere in between, some kind of mix. And then according to the website that I checked, six states have no explicit policy. They must be handling that on a case-by-case basis. So what do Connecticut athletic authorities say at the heart of this controversy we've described with the federal government coming down on them and saying they're not allowed to let these transgender athletes cross over to the other team. Well, the Connecticut authorities say Connecticut law is clear. 
and that students who identify as female are to be recognized as female for all purposes, including high school sports. So they're sticking with it, not changing their mind, at least at this stage of the game. The U.S. Department of Education now says, what can it really do about it? It's begun the process of perhaps suspending or terminating or refusing to grant financial assistance to the association and districts that allow this and or referring the case to the Department of Justice for further action. So they can withhold funding and they can also make an argument from from a civil rights standpoint, as some of the girls are making and some of the feminists and advocates are making, that this is a civil rights violation when this is allowed. We will have to see how that turns out. I hope you check out my story at fullmeasure.news. If you don't see it live, as I mentioned, all the segments are always posted there afterwards at fullmeasure.news. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast and that you share it and leave a great review. You can also check out my other podcast, the Cheryl Atkinson podcast at justthenews.com, but you can find it Full Measure After Hours and the Cheryl Atkinson podcast wherever you like to listen. And don't forget to pre-order my new book out late November in plenty of time for Christmas for someone you like or to buy it for yourself. It's called Slanted, How the News Media Taught Us to Love Censorship and Hate Journalism. Just search for it under Slanted at Amazon or wherever you like to order books. Do your own research, make up your own mind, think for yourself.